Hey, this is Pastor Bob Stephen, lead pastor at Pursuit Church SA, and this is our podcast. Listen, would you take a minute to share and subscribe to this podcast? Also, we would love to connect with you, so please visit us at PursuitChurchSA.com or on any of our social media pages. Now, here's this week's message. We hope it blesses your life. And you know what, guys? We live in a world right now that needs to know Jesus. This world needs to know who Jesus really is. Jesus is coming back. Now, I don't know when. Nobody knows when. But I can tell you one thing. We're closer today than we were yesterday. That's a fact. Thank you. That's a fact. So we need to know the truth. We need to make sure that we're holding on to God's truth and not popular opinion. So that means we might need to go through the process of deconstruction. The definition of deconstruction is actually examining your beliefs, tossing out what isn't true, and then holding on to what is true. And again, when I say truth, I'm talking about God's truth. And there are three things that I want to point out to you today that are part of that deconstruction process. The first step is to find truth. The second step is to examine everything through the lens of God's love. And then build your life on God's truth. So how do we do that? How do we know what's really true? Well, you look at the creator of truth, God. You examine his word and his son. You listen to his son. God's word is the Bible and it is without error. Truth, man wrote it, but God told him what to write. And the Bible is the source of all truth. But... If I'm being honest, it's a little hard to understand sometimes, right? You have a hard time understanding it. So how do we understand it? Well, we start with prayer. When you get ready to read scripture, pray first. Pray to God. Ask him to open up your eyes of understanding to give you new, fresh revelation. Because there's some things, y'all, that only God is going to be able to show you and make clear to you. And then after you've done that, read it in context, You got to read everything in the Bible in context. And let me just throw this little side note in there. I am a firm believer of a paper Bible. I know we got internet. I know all about all that. But what's going to happen one of these days, y'all, when the internet goes away? I'm just saying. You need to get a paper Bible. And get a paper Bible with red letters. The red letters are like quotation marks for what Jesus said. I'm visual. I need to see some stuff. So I like the red letter version. But when you got a good paper Bible, it doesn't matter if you have cell service, internet, or whatever. You can still, wherever you are, read the word of God, the absolute truth of God, if you got a paper Bible. And I'm going to also recommend you get a good study Bible. Get a good paper study Bible with a concordance. That's, a, that's an old school word, y'all. But you know what? A concordance is really handy. Because what it does is it shows you what a topic is in different parts of the Bible. So you can get Old Testament and New Testament on a specific topic if your Bible has a concordance in it. It's important because you need to look at context. And a concordance sometimes will help you understand context and meaning. And context just basically means that you're paying attention to what's going on in the verses, but also in history at that moment in time, at the time that that scripture was written. And another way to look at truth is to look at what Jesus said. What does he say about a certain subject? And if you want to know what Jesus had to say, well, start in the New Testament. Start in the New Testament and look at what Jesus said. Because you know what? You can trust what Jesus says. 
You want to know why? Because Jesus is the word. John 1, 1 said, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Further on in John chapter one, it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. So who better to interpret the word of God than Jesus himself, right? Let me give you an example of why we need to deconstruct some things. It's going to be from Matthew chapter 16. This is when Jesus told the disciples, look, guys, I have to die because I'm going to be raised to life again. He's telling them, right? And he told them that it was part of God's plan. But then you got Peter. I love Peter. Peter's such a, he's a handful, right? Peter rises up and he says, hold on. He rebuked Jesus and it's because he didn't understand. He basically tells Jesus, no, that's not going to happen. There's no way that's going to happen. You're supposed to be our king. You can't die. Peter was basically telling Jesus that he didn't agree with the plan. And what did Jesus say? Remember, sometimes we have to look at what Jesus says in order for us to understand truth. If you look at Matthew 16, 23, Jesus turned to Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. How many of y'all have ever told your children, get behind me, Satan? Just saying. That's what Jesus told Peter. He said, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me because you don't have in mind the concerns of God. Merely human concerns. Then Jesus goes on to say in verse 24, whoever wants to be my disciple, Peter was his disciple. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Verse 26 says, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Verse 27, for the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what they've done. Peter rebuked Jesus because he was looking at things the way he wanted them to go. And Jesus called Peter out on it. Don't you love it when Jesus calls you out? That's a teachable moment. He tells Peter, you're only seeing things the way you want it to be. You're not looking at the bigger picture, what God is really doing here. That's what he's telling him. And if we stop and only read verse 23, we'll miss that. We'll miss the truth of what was really going on right there. And if you stop at verse 23, also, you could think that Jesus was coming on Peter really hard. He was coming at him all kinds of hard, right? He called him Satan. That's why you got to keep reading. You got to keep listening to what Jesus has to say, because he goes on to say that we're going to have to start looking at things another way. If we're going to get it right. If we're going to be able to spend eternity with God in heaven, We can't just be focused on the here and now living for what we want, what makes us happy. We have to focus on God's kingdom and then learn what that even means. When you're reading the Bible, it's so important that you read the verses all together. Don't cherry pick them. Doctrines are built. Wrong doctrines are built like that. Pulling out a verse here, pulling out a verse there. No, that's not the way you read it. You read it all together. Read the verses all together in one passage, because when you do that, you can learn some things. If you just read verse 27, 
The one I just read that says, you know, if you, you do these things, let's go back and look at verse 27. Verse 27 says, he'll reward each person according to what they've done. If you just read that verse on its own, then you can get off into some works-based theology. That's not the truth. That's not the truth. Ephesians chapter two says that we are saved only by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Not on what we do. That's a free gift from God has nothing to do with how worthy we are, what we've done. We're talking about deconstruction because sometimes it's the next step to figuring out now what? When we face difficulties, we have questions, we have doubts. We got to let go of what isn't true so we can hold on to God's truth. We live in a world right now, y'all. I don't have to tell y'all this, but we live in a world right now where you must know truth. The enemy is trying his best to divide us. And you know that divided we fall. And a lot of people are falling for that false narrative because they don't know the truth. Society is trying to get us to embrace some things that aren't altogether true. And the temptation is to look at some things on the surface only and think, that sounds good. That sounds like something God would want me to do. Let's talk about equality. I'm going to go there, y'all. Let's talk about equality. Equality sounds biblical, right? Equal, right? Let's see what this Bible say about it. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Hmm. This verse appears to say that we're all equal, right? Well, that might be what it looks like on the surface, but that's not exactly what it says. This verse says in Christ Jesus, we are one, one as in unified. That doesn't say we're equal. It says that when we accept Jesus Christ as our savior, that unifies us as children of God. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. This is actually on a board in my kitchen. Unity is not sameness. It is oneness of purpose. Galatians 3.28 does not say we're equal. Now that having been said, we do have an equal origin. Biblical equality focuses on equal origin. We're all created in the image of God. We all have equal origin. We all have equal access to God, but... We're not all children of God. That'll mess with your theology, but we're not. We have equal access to becoming a child of God, but we are not all inherently a child of God. John 1 12 tells us that it says, but to all who did receive him, Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's how you become a child of God. We become a child of God when we put our faith in Jesus. And what he did on the cross. We're not born a child of God. We're not. Do you see why you need to know God's truth? You need to know God's truth so you can form some right beliefs and toss out the garbage. You don't want garbage in your house, right? Stinking up the place, getting all kinds of things. Toss out the garbage. You need to know God's truth. Society throws that word equality around a lot. But that's not what they're really talking about. What they're really talking about is equity. And there's a difference. Scripture tells us that we have not been given equal gifts. 
So the outcomes are not going to be equal. We all have different levels of abilities. And naturally, we're going to have different levels of outcome. Romans 12, 6 through 8 tells us that. It says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them in proportion to our faith. Different gifts, different proportions. Equal, by definition, means being the same in quantity, size, degree, or value. So, yes, we are all equally created in the image of God and we have equal value in God's eyes. We have equal access to salvation through Jesus Christ, but the outcomes, they're going to be different because we're different. We're all different. So for us to embrace some of the things that people are feeding us, that's dangerous y'all. That's dangerous. If you don't understand what you're embracing and, and how it lines up with God's word, that's dangerous. When you've got questions, take them to God, go to his word, read it in context, the context in which it was written. And then look at what Jesus has to say about your question. Now, the second step to deconstruction is to look at things through the lens of love. God's love, God's love. Not our version of it, which means what? We might need to deconstruct what we think is love. This is God's love. It's first Corinthians chapter 13. They call it the love chapter and God's love is patient. It's kind. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not looking out for your own interests. Doesn't get angry quickly. Doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Hmm, that sounds like forgiveness. And it doesn't like evil, but it rejoices in truth with capital T. It protects, it trusts, it has hope, it endures everything. It never fails. That is God's definition of love. And, and that's how God loves you. God's love is so deep, y'all. It's, it's immeasurable. It's forever, and it is intentional. Now, we think of love as a feeling, right? You get the feels, right? That's human nature. You think love is a feeling. And I'm going to tell you right now, it doesn't matter how holy and sanctified and washed in the blood you are. You know when you're dating somebody, you start getting that feeling, oh, you feel like you're in love, right? You initially think that's love. Maybe because that's how you feel about them or even how you feel about God, right? So when you have questions like, why did God let that happen? Or why didn't God stop that from happening? Your feelings can get you thinking that God doesn't love you after all. I want to tell you a little story. There's a lady who she married into our family several years ago. And from the start, this woman did not like me. She hadn't even met me yet and she didn't like me which I thought was a little interesting. But anyway, she didn't like me because of who I was, what I represented. And this went on for years. I'm not even exaggerating. And I never treated her bad, right? I wasn't petty. I could have been. I wasn't petty. But I didn't show her much love or compassion either. And you know what? That was bad because I knew she had a hard life. I knew a little bit about her past. But instead, I thought, well, I've had a hard life. I've been through a lot of stuff and I'm not treating her like that. Like I said, I wasn't mean to her, but I didn't show her love and compassion. 
But then something really sad happened to her and she needed prayer. And I knew I needed to go pray for her. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. It wasn't convenient. We were about to go somewhere else. We had something else to do. But I felt the Holy Spirit telling me, you aren't loving her because I told you to love your enemies. And I was totally convicted. But even after that, I'm just going to be real, y'all. Even after that, I still tried to justify my sin of unforgiveness towards her. And I was saying silly things to God like, Lord, I didn't make her an enemy. She made me an enemy. That's on her. You know? And I was thinking, you know what she's been saying? You know, all the, she's acting all wild in this family. How about that? <laughs> Have you guys ever done that? God's trying to show you something, trying to work on your heart, and you're making all these excuses to be disobedient? What? God loves us so much, y'all. <laughs> he never gives up on us. Even when you're salty, he never gives up on you. The truth is, when people hurt us and they don't show us love, we don't think we need to show them love, Right? But that's not how it works, y'all. If you're a follower of Jesus, that means you have to obey his ways. And you have to obey his words. I love this scripture. It set me free. Romans 13, 8 says that we owe nothing to anyone but to love them. With that, it fulfills the requirements of God's law. You want to know what God wants? He wants you to love people. Now go back to this woman in our family. I knew what the Bible says about love. I know what it says. I have full understanding of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But I wasn't doing it. <laughs> I didn't need God to deconstruct my beliefs about love. I needed him to help me deconstruct what I believed about grace. By refusing to love this woman like I knew I was supposed to be doing. I wasn't showing her grace. And get this. I was taking his grace for granted. You see. I want you to understand this. It's because of God's grace. That our sin does not consume us. It is only by his grace that we are saved. And also by his grace. That we are no longer slaves to sin. We don't have to keep doing it. Romans 6, 11 through 14 tells us that when we accept Jesus as our savior, sin no longer has a hold on us. That's freedom. And it also says we have power through Jesus to not give in to sin, to not let it control us anymore. In fact, it also says that we're supposed to use our bodies, the totality of who we are, to give God glory because God gives us the grace we need to do it. No excuses. God convicted me and he showed me how I knew what I was supposed to be doing it and I wasn't doing it. And he brought this scripture to mind, Romans six fifteen and 16. Since God's grace has set us free from the law... Does that mean we get to go on and keep sinning? Heaven forbid. One translation says, heaven forbid. Of course not. And then verse 16, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? Man, let that sink in for a second. You become a slave to whatever you choose to obey. 
Do you want to be a slave to Jesus? I do. Or do you want to be a slave to that? Whatever that is. We can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, bondage, chains, chaos, pain. Or we can choose to obey God, living our lives for him, which is what we're supposed to do. And it's because we're supposed to do that because that's how we're going to lead others to God. And that's what gives him glory. God is loving. He's merciful. Even when we mess up and we know we're not handling things the way he says, he still has mercy for us. He doesn't whack us over the head and say, you're done. I'm done with you. Bye. He doesn't do that. That's what judgment looks like. You committed the crime. You're guilty. You're punished. That's judgment. That's not who God is. That's not how he works. He brings to mind what we did wrong. And then he shows us how to get it right. And when we walk away from that sin, he forgives us. That's grace. That's love. We got to learn what God's love and grace is and that it's immeasurable. Even when we keep getting it wrong, it's still there. When you realize that and you realize what you used to believe isn't true, then you can start to understand the love that God has for you. You're going to know that there's some beliefs you've been holding on to that need to change. When you get a revelation of God's grace and love, you're going to want to change some things. Romans six twenty says, before we become followers of Jesus, we have no obligation to obey God. You have no obligation to obey God, but you don't get to collect in on his blessings either. Once you become a child of God, you've asked Jesus into your heart. You've asked him to be the Lord of your life. He's going to open up your eyes and you're going to realize just how sinful your life was. And it's not in a condemnation way. It's in a grace way. So you can get it right again through Jesus. You're going to see that. And you're also going to realize the blessing of God's grace. Friends, we got to be willing to deconstruct some things and let God show us the real truth. There's freedom in God's truth. In fact, that's the only place where we're going to ever find true freedom. That's in Jesus Christ. Bring your doubts. Bring your questions to God. He can handle it. Remember, in this life, you're going to have trouble. There's going to be some pain. There's going to be some disappointment, some hurts. And you know what? Even if someone's hurt you, maybe you're sitting here right now and you you have some residuals of some hurt. And I'm going to speak strictly to church hurt right now because that's a big thing. Church hurt is really hard because the church is the place you should feel the safest the most loved, the most accepted. You should be able to trust, let your hair down, exhale in church. So if you've been hurt in the church, take that entire situation to God. Take it all to him. Let him show you some things. You see, church hurt is a big deal to God because that's his house and those are his people. And he wants to be involved in whatever goes on in his house. Church hurt will cause you to believe some things about God that are not true. You see, when we get hurt by the church, we tend to forget that it was the people who hurt us, not God. And even, even if you totally understand that it was people and it wasn't God, 
that can still leave you with a bitter taste in your mouth for church or the things of God. That's okay. I get it. Trust me. I get it. Just take it to God. Let him walk you through it. Let him walk you through the hurt and deconstruct some wrong thinking so that he can show you his truth. I promise you this. There's not one thing that you've gone through in your entire life that he can't turn around for good and his glory. Nothing. If you've been hurt in church, don't walk away. Walk to God. Walk to God and let him set the record straight. You don't get in there and try to make things right. You don't have to explain anything. You don't have to tell yourself. No, you don't have to say anything. Give it to God and let him handle the business. He's the one that takes vengeance. We don't get to do that. But let me just tell you this. You don't want to do it because I'm going to tell you right now, God will do it way better than you could ever think. He will set the record state. He will promote you. He will put your feet back on the right path and he will shut the mouths that are lying. That are hurting, that are saying things or doing things. Or even if they didn't do it on purpose, he'll just bring conviction gently to them. Like he does to us. Let God take care of it. Just learn to filter things through the lens of his love. His enormous, never-ending, chase-after-you kind of love. And that'll help you build your life on truth. On God's truth. Because That's what's going to set you free to live the life that Jesus died to give you. Will you bow your heads, please? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the day. I thank you for this word. Father, I pray right now for any broken, hurting hearts. Lord, I pray that the truth of your love will just flow down over those hurts. Just like a salve, like a healing balm. Let it flow down over broken hearts. Hearts that have been hurt, betrayed. Lord, bring your healing. Bring your healing to our minds, to our emotions, Father. We just thank you that you're the great physician. Heavenly Father, I just pray. Whatever kind of chaotic situations that somebody in here today might be in, Lord, bring peace to it. Bring your peace to the chaos. If there's confusion here, Lord, bring clarity that's only found in your truth. Lord, let us all be able to understand your word in a way that that we can just receive it and then live it out, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you never leave us or forsake us, that you're always drawing us in. Lord, let your word become the foundation we build our lives on, God. Give us understanding, your wisdom, your keen discernment, Father, so we can walk in the way that you're telling us to go. Give us strength and perseverance and give us courage, Lord. We love you. We thank you for your presence. In the mighty name of Jesus.